Would you like to come and stall it? Ah, will you just stall it, look? I'd like to come and stall it. I'm not really in the mood. Well, come on and bleed and stall it. Yeah, house hatcher. I'm not a house hatcher. We'll stall it for a crack. We're gonna have a laugh. How are you doing? Are you listening? Oh, yeah. I'm listening to you, Darden. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to part three of the JFK Deep Dive. <laughs> part three of the JFK special of the Stala podcast, where we've learned all about the history so far of the JFK assassination. Yeah. A little bit of John F. Kennedy, a little bit of the background, and a little bit of background about Lee Harvey Oswald. And we talked about the main theory, basically Lee Harvey Oswald Shooting John F. Kennedy in the face, in the well back of the head, kind of the main story. That's the, that I was the shot in the face, huh? Oh boy! Oh well, was he? We're going to get into that, I suppose. In this episode, are we producer? Home? We are. Oh yeah. Oh. Last episode, we went through uh, the evidence as put against Lee Harvey Oswald to say he was involved, and then the doubts about that. Not all of it. Not exhaustive. The usual disclaimers apply. We're not going to get through absolutely everything here. But we just want to give you a flavour of why this is still hanging around six years later. The first bullet that went through the president's neck could not have gone, uh, been the bullet that went through my chest. Uh, no way. I saw this man with the gun, and there was another man standing to his right. The commission believes that the same bullet that hit Kennedy hit Connolly. Well, I don't believe it. I don't either. That's all. And literally what the man did was kick, kick me and ask me if I was taking a picture. I told him that I was. And when I looked at the weapon, it was about that big around, and I decided I'd let him go ahead and have the film. Again. Where did that shot come? Behind the picket fence. Is there any close to the little plaza? Is there any doubt in your mind that that shot came from behind? The There's no doubt in my mind. Anyone who's been in combat will tell you never in the history of gunfire has there been a bullet this ridiculous. He said again the violent backward motion. Totally consistent with the witnesses, which said the shot came from the grassy knoll in front and to the right. Oh, God, that's awful. That's the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. We'll talk about it in a minute. We mentioned before the magic bullet theory. We did. Do you want to try and explain the magic bullet theory? No? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're looking for a laugh, are you? Um, the magic bullet theory is... Um, a theory that there was only one bullet one gun one bullet shot and it ricocheted through JFK and the driver no close yeah pretty close I think, yeah. yeah three bullets but the first one that hit JFK went through him and into Texas Governor Connolly and back out and shattered his wrist and hit off ended the up in his leg so and through his leg and then into the side of the car and then ricocheted no. back into JFK no and then and then onto the bonnet and then back and back or <laughs> so basically the lead bullet was made of flubber here bouncing so it would have caused seven injuries so the theory as put forward by the Warren Commission and not all seven people in the Warren Commission agreed on this yeah because it's fucking nonsense like if you shoot a bullet if you shoot a gun and you sh- <laughs> no Oswald <laughs> someone that just gets stuck in you Oswald we're going to get to autopsy later which does shed some doubt on the um the positions of the wounds and all that but the first one misses the second shot then goes into Kennedy's back and emerges out at his throat this is the Warren Commission's findings that same bullet then goes into Connolly hits him 
just under his right arm, destroying most of his fifth rib, puncturing a lung. Must have been some fucking bullet. Some shot. <laughs> the bullet then goes into his wrist and lodges itself in his thigh. So if you see diagrams of this, and you know, if you listen to this, no harm, uh, just Google there, magic bullet theory, and, and a diagram will pop up. It's skewing left, right, and up and down. And but in the autopsy, was all them bullet holes correct? Like, did that actually happen? Didn't the autopsy show that the bullet went into his back and came out his neck? Yeah. And that's the only bullet hole in his body, like... No, there was the headshot as well. Yeah, head yeah like, sorry, yeah, but like, in regards to that theory, like, the yeah. way it's like in his leg and his neck and fucking... Everywhere, bar the kitchen sink. Yeah, was that like in the autopsy when they done an autopsy on him? Like, yes, it yeah, was, yeah, uh, in the back, out the front. Sorry, so it is that. a real theory then. But it's nonsense. It's it's a ridiculous theory. Like, how can it go in your back and then out your throat if you shoot him down? Yeah, I don't get that. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. And this bullet was never found as well. So isn't it? It fucking disappeared. As no, well. it was found. Yeah, but it was found in, in pristine condition. It didn't look like it had gone through. Two people's bodies. One in the back, one. In the one back. of the reasons they found the bullet on the stretcher in the hospital and said, "And I know Joe's not going to like this. He's this gonna, is re- no, this he's going to deride sense, this, and I can understand why. But apparently, this does happen. They said the bullet fell back out of Connolly. Just fell out of his leg. Fell out of his leg. Apparently, it does happen. <laughs> Bullets do fall out of wounds. Apparently, this is arguably the biggest debating point, I suppose, in the whole story: the magic bullet theory. This along with if a bullet came from the other direction, which we're going to get to shortly. And there's been something new on that just in the last week or two. Oh. If you don't believe that this one bullet did all this damage, then the idea that one person fired three times in that time frame doesn't add up if there was two shots. And if you believe that a bullet came from the other direction, then none of it adds up. None of the official story adds up. So if you look at the the Zapruder film, which is the only film record of this, and we're going to come to that now in a few minutes. JFK appears to be hit, and Connolly turns to look at him, and people who are critical of the magic bullet theory would say Connolly can't be hit by the same bullet if he's got time to turn around and look. Although maybe he heard something and it caught his, like he heard the first shot, which missed, and he caught his attention. But it is, people point out and say, like, JFK looks like he's been hit there, and Connolly's turned around to look at him. Yeah. He hasn't been hit by the same bullet that's just gone through him and straight into him. Like, how slow do you so think this bullet the second is going? hits him, it's the one that goes through. And the second one hits him. Well, there are some people who true. say, when you look at the video, the Secret Service drivers look like they hunch forward, as if they're expecting the shot. Oh, really? <laughs> I, there's too <laughs> much. A bit of a leap. There's too much, like. There's, there's too much. Connolly never believed this theory. This is a man who was hit by the magic bullet. He said, bollocks. I'm not having it. He didn't, he didn't believe which theory? The magic bullet theory? Yeah. So he thought that there was another theory? The man who was hit by the bullet didn't believe the bullet theory. Yeah. Okay. He said it didn't add up. Actually, here's a clip of him talking about it. The first bullet that went through the president's neck could not have gone, uh, been the bullet that went through my chest. Uh, no way. So who else didn't believe it? Lyndon Johnson, the president. What? There was a recording released of him speaking to one of the senators who was on the Warren Commission and he was one of the Commission 7 who said he really wasn't happy with this theory being included and he was speaking to Johnson about it on the phone. Well, what what difference did it make which bullet got Connolly? Well, it don't make much difference but they said that, uh, that they believe that the, committee be- the commission believe that the same bullet that hit Kennedy hit Connolly. Well, I don't believe it. I don't either. And so I couldn't sign it. And I, I said that Governor Connolly testified directly to the contrary. And I'm not going to approve of that. So I finally made them say there was a difference in the commission in that. 
part of them believed it, that uh, that wasn't so. And uh, of course, if a fellow was accurate enough to hit Kennedy right in the neck on one shot and knock his head off the next one, when he's leaning up against his wife's head and not even wound up, well, he didn't miss completely with that third shot. According to that theory, he not only missed the whole automobile, but he missed the street. Well, the man's a good enough shot to put two bullets right into Kennedy. He didn't miss that old automobile and all the street. So what was the verdict of what happened? Well, <laughs> that the same shooter just shot all of them. The official is story that, is that Lee Harvey Oswald. Bullet, yeah. mm. Oh, the official, that's... That's the official story, yeah. No, we don't believe that. Yeah, anyone with a fucking half a brain would not believe it. So the bullet that supposedly was found on the stretcher in Parkland Hospital. In perfect condition. In very, very good condition. Shiny as fuck. Yeah. That went through two people, an arm and a leg. The snack box of people. <laughs> Love one. <laughs> in September of this year, a secret service agent, Paul Landis, who was working that day, he came out after 60 years and said, I found that bullet in the car and I put it on the stretcher. And that's why it was in the stretcher. So it didn't fall out Connolly. Was it a fake bullet that was put in the car? No, no, it was a real bullet. No, but like, they were shot. No, but was it a swap around or something? I don't know. Heads up me all. <laughs> so this news was received in a couple of ways. Some people said, well, it just complicates the whole single bullet theory and makes it more likely that there was two bullets. And if there was two bullets that hit both of them, and you can see in the film how quickly they're hit in succession, there's absolutely no way those two bullets were fired from the same gun because it's too close together. From the gun anyway that was found in the book depository. The other way it was received was, well, now you don't need to wonder how the bullet fell out Connolly. Or how it ended up on the stretcher, because we know. So that kind of dispels that conspiracy theorist point that bullets don't just fall out of people. But then the further one is just people kind of went, bullshit. Six decades later, you're telling us, like you're a secret service agent. You find a bullet and you put it on a stretcher and you forget about it. And you don't tell anyone. When he was talking about this a couple months ago, he said, oh, I realised how important this piece of evidence was. And people are saying, why didn't you do a bit more with it? Maybe then? he was afraid of the people in power at the time and what they might do. <laughs> or maybe he was afraid he'd lose his job because it's a stupid fucking thing to do to move a piece of evidence of a crime scene that involves the assassination of a president. Maybe. Yeah, he probably just went down and was like, fuck. I said, bollocks, did I bleed move that? Yeah, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> just a real world problem. Just yeah. say, oh, fuck. Fucking president's blood on me hand and everything. What am I at the bleeding doing? Why the fuck did I put that on the stretcher? Here's Sandra, keep that to yourself. Will like, you? Yeah, no, you're better off just not saying that because like, you just don't, you know. <laughs> he's like, yeah, no, I won't, I won't. <laughs> Do you reckon? I'd say that's what yeah, happened. Yeah. That's my theory on that one. Then he just felt fucking stupid, and then his, in like, his old age, he said, "Ah, fuck it, here, I'll let them know now." No, Christmas is coming up around the corner. <laughs> like, and, you know, you have to be putting presents, you know, getting things for Sandy ready and all, and like, you can't be fucking changing. Oh, that book's fake. It's 19, it's nineteen sixty-four. I can't even go out there and walk. I can't get a fucking job. <laughs> anyway, do you reckon? I'd say so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd stay here in my pinafore and just make dinner. Because <laughs> that's how they talked in Texas uh, 1960s. That's exactly how they talked. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> they colonised the Finglas. <laughs> <laughs> in the 70s. Imagine we got the fucking Finglas and fucking get away from all this bleeding magic bullets and all. Yee, yeehaw that's why they all have <laughs> fucking horses out in the fingers yeehaw horses and 
all that bleeding. A little rowdy on the grin. Oh, stop. <laughs> anyway, like, do you reckon? Yeah, no, I'd say so. Yeah. Just yeah. on the bullet being in, in perfect nick, they actually have done uh, ballistics tests on this more recently and said it is possible because the type of bullet it was, as long as it wasn't, uh, I think the path of the flight wasn't massively disturbed, it could go through all of that and survive intact. So it's actually in a some, fact that it could happen. It could happen. True. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. What about the change in direction stuff? Glad you asked, Joe. What seemingly, if uh, any of you have watched the Oliver Stone film JFK, and we'll talk about that again in a few minutes, but the most famous scene probably is in the courtroom and he is reenacting the path of the bullet. Kevin Costner playing Jim Garrison, the New Orleans district attorney. He is has the two lads in front of each other in the courtroom and he's going, the bullet goes in here and the bullet goes in and Kennedy goes back and to the left. The bullet then exits Conley's wrist, wound number six, makes a dramatic U-turn and buries itself into Conley's left thigh. Wound number seven, from which it later falls out and is found in almost pristine condition on a stretch in a corridor of Parkland Hospital. That's some bullet. Anyone who's been in combat will tell you never in the history of gunfire has there been a bullet this ridiculous. The conspiracy theorist angle would tell it that way. It's very important that the lads are sitting directly in front of each other. But apparently JFK's seat was actually slightly elevated behind Connolly. And that could explain how the bullet, like JFK was slightly hunched forward. That could explain going through the back and coming out the neck. And it could also explain that how it could go into Connolly without like turning midair. That's the explanation. The most plausible one. Plenty of people don't buy it. I don't buy it. That's a load of me bollocks. Show me the fucking car. I want to see the difference in height in the car. Is the like car in a museum? It's a few inches height, but apparently it was enough. Is Considering the, it will be coming down yeah. from a height. Sorry, come on. Is the car in, in a museum? Uh, I don't know. I presume so. Would be, wouldn't it? Yeah. Okay. Other thing with that bullet, it was not handled very responsibly. So the chain of custody is not very good, which again feeds into conspiracy theories. It was found by a fellow called Daryl Tomlinson on the stretcher. He gave it to the head of the hospital security. They then gave it to a Secret Service agent. They then gave it to the head Secret Service agent. He passed it on to an FBI agent, and then they brought it to the FBI crime lab. So six people had possession of it before it was kind of... With none of them saying, we're tampering with fucking evidence here. Well, isn't that a paper trail? No, that's the thing. There wasn't really. And only two of them, the two FBI agents, were able to confirm that it was definitely the same bullet that they had held. Uh, they're playing hot potato with the bleeding bullet and everything for Jay's sake. Yeah, the others said Bidated. they weren't sure and possibly it wasn't the same bullet. Bidated. So the autopsy. Yes, right? here we go. Very controversial. First of all, the autopsy, a lot of people in Texas felt the autopsy legally had to be done in Texas, but Secret Service said, no, we're taking his body back to Washington to do this, which there's still arguments over it shouldn't legally, should not have been done. When I was watching that documentary, they said that he was brought to the autopsy in a brown casket with a gold trimming, I think. Maybe that's wrong mm-hmm. colour, but like it was a different. And then he like left. It was just like a grey casket. So like basically like why the fuck would the casket change? Do you get me? Because it was a different body. It's a fake body. Uh, he had two caskets because um, the first one was just got from a local funeral home in Texas and they didn't think it was... Fit for a president? Yeah, I wasn't fit for a president. Who is going to lie in state in Washington for people come and visit? What is? This coffin was put on public display for a couple of days. Oh, okay, all right. 
I thought you meant in general, like the fucking the popes that are on display. No, no. Fucking glass cabinets. So yeah, the, the location of the autopsy, first of all, that's controversial. But then the official autopsy concluded the bullet came into the back and went out the neck. And there's also a huge disagreement. Or people who were there on the day in Texas said they saw massive wound on the back of his head, which would imply an exit wound. Yeah. But this was not recorded in the autopsy that was done in Washington. And so the people in Texas looked at what pictures they could see of the autopsy in Washington and said, that's not what I remember seeing. And mm. apparently the back of the head was cleaned up quite a lot. The chief pathologist for the autopsy, Dr. James Humes, his team conducted the autopsy there and he said it was a small entry wound at the back where it was described as some others who had seen it in Texas as a large egg-sized wound and the difference will be is the bullet going in at that point or coming out because if it's coming out the wound is bigger mm. if it's going in the wound is smaller and we're back to which direction did the bullet come from so that's where the big controversy about the autopsy is fundamentally when I was watching that documentary like look I don't know how fucking accurate it is but the fellow that was being interviewed was saying that he was working on the autopsy and he asked him how big was the hole in the back and he was like huge like yeah like a tennis ball like a fist yeah, literally like the palm of your hand, big. And his fucking brain was taken out and everything. And when he got to the autopsy, he placed he had no brain. Or when he left, he had no brain or something. What's that now? Well, the brain was supposedly removed during the autopsy and stored in the National Archives. And in 1966, three years after the shooting, someone went to look for it and it was gone. His brain was gone? His brain is missing. It's never been found. Still today? Yeah. There you go. Fuck off. Someone took his brain at the autopsy and now it's gone. The theory, the obvious one, is that the brain would tell the story of where the injuries came from and they never wanted anybody to take a good look at it and all that. There's another theory put forward by a fellow called James Swanson. He wrote a book on the assassination and his theory was that Robert Kennedy possibly retrieved the brain. I presume the family would be allowed to do that. And to, I quote, perhaps to conceal evidence of the true extent of President Kennedy's illnesses or perhaps to conceal evidence of the number of medications that he was taking. Who said that? This is James Swanson who wrote a book on the assassination. His theory is that Robert Kennedy might have wanted to hide just how many medications JFK was on. I'm not sure what, like, I don't know what evidence he built this theory on. But just again, to show you that there are different theories going each way here. Or if that was even a human brain. Oh, now we won't go down that one. We won't go that. It's too wild. That's a different episode. <laughs> He's AI, man. It's a fucking reptile, Brian, man. He's a lizard. He was a lizard. They're under the shores. We won't go mad deep on all the medical evidence. Just suffice to say that basically the big controversy is the wound and like where the bullet wound was on the body. And there's also kind of discussion of if you look at the photos, is the, the wound on the back, is it actually a bit higher than was recorded? Or sorry, it's a bit lower, which would again make the single bullet theory not add up. So the important bit is that the debate was what condition mm. really were the, the injuries and what would they have told us about the direction the bullet came in. That's the fundamental issue at play here. Was the bullet of the headshot found? Like, was that an exit wound in the front of his head? Well, Dr. Hume said there was massive damage to the top of Kennedy's skull and right side. So there was at the top of the head was kind of gone. I'm amazed that like one bullet can go through a man's chest into another man's chest and go through that and go through his arm and then turn direction and go into his leg. But it was on a string. It can't go through and 
string was stuck in all of them and then it was torn. But the second bullet that went into his head couldn't get through his head. Well, it did. Yeah, but it didn't come out the other end. Maybe it was just, he just had a thick skull <laughs> at, at that part of his skull. I don't know. I wish I knew. <laughs> so, James Humes, the chief pathologist, he took his notes home after the autopsy and while sitting there looking at his notes, he got this memory of how he'd once seen the blood-stained chair that Abraham Lincoln had sat in when he was shot. And he felt this was a very traumatic thing to see. And he looked at the notes he had from JFK's autopsy and realised they were blood-stained. So the president's blood was on the pages. And he felt this was not something people should see. It was whatever, I don't know, disrespectful to the president. So he says he copied the notes and then burned the originals. No. Yep. What the fuck? When he was asked if there was any, like, if he'd missed out on anything when he made the copy, he said, I don't think so. You can't do that. Is that illegal? That's tampering with everything. Uh, it certainly wouldn't be best practice. This is crazy. Oh, like, it adds up for Lee Harvey Oswald to kill him. Like, you know, it does kind of add up when you think of it. But, like, there's too much messing around throughout the whole process of it. Acting the bollocks. Like, compl- like, through every angle of it, it's too much messing around, isn't it? Every step. Every step of the way. Like, taking notes, but, oh, it felt bad because Abraham Lincoln was shot, so I buttoned the bleeding Like, if Lee Harvey papers. Oswald killed him, yeah, it'd be as clear as day that he killed him. Because they just say, he killed him, there's the bullet hole, went into his neck, his head. None of this, like, fucking ricochet shit and taking brains out and burning notes. and Like, come on. Like, where's his fucking brain? Come on. What do you think, Alan? I'm lonely where his brain is. <laughs> no, but, like, in general, like, it's a bit fucking, bit hopscotchy. <laughs> huh? Be hopscotchy. There is a claim that 43 witnesses, including doctors and nurses who saw JFK at Parkland Hospital, said there was a rear head wound. I don't think that claim is fully substantiated, and people who believe in the official story say it's exaggerated. But if it's even close to 43 people who said it was an exit wound, then. Yeah, like, you know, there's no smoke around fire, but it's not photographs of it. It's photographs of the autopsy. Oh, is that? Yeah. Put me at that. But then there's other photographs of him. Like if you look at other footage of him when he was alive, does he has like burnt marks and stuff? But in the autopsy, the burnt marks aren't there enough. They did that with Tupac as yeah, well. I know you're going off to be saying here, lads. he had Cleopatra on his left. <laughs> it's his a left fucking not his right. It's a body double. There is there's, there's discrepancies in what, what like there's discrepancies in his teeth. That's what it was. There's discrepancies in his teeth. It wasn't him. I don't think the body that was in the autopsy was him. Oh, who would it be? Where would he be? A body double. He did. Who, who JFK? Yeah. Bahamas. Maybe JFK was killed somewhere else, but like, <laughs> I, I, I think JFK was shot, but I think the body is not him. The body was a double. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. In your that's where the, that's where any the evidence here. I feel like that's where the brain was taken. It's the only bit of DNA left. You're basing this on one picture you saw where his teeth didn't quite look like the way they looked like in another picture. That's like, think about that. Come on. Well, and the brain, is, somebody fucking took his brain and no one knows who took it. But yeah, but it could have been his brother. It could have been the family. Should have, could have, would have. What do you mean? Then he'd say it. Well, surely his brother would have said it. And even if it was his brother, that's even fucking weirder. I feel like that's weirder. Is his brother alive? No. Can we email him? He's not. Okay. <laughs> his brother was also assassinated. Is there any fucking Kennedys alive? Mm, yeah, none of the brothers, I don't think. Can we just email one of them and say, Did, what's his name? Take the brain. They all died in tragic circumstances. Like, Rob was shot dead as well. All of them? Yeah. Because they know too much? Yeah. I don't think so. I think uh, Lee Harvey Oswald done so. Mm, that's the facts. Mm, that's what I'm going Lee, <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald shot all of them. <laughs> right. 
The photos. Right? The photos. The photos. So, well, first of all, I should say, two of the doctors, the pathologists who did the autopsy, James Humes, the chief one we've mentioned, and Dr. Thornton Boswell, they said they did the brain exam two or three days after the death with a third pathologist, Dr. Pierre Fink. But later on, Fink said, no, they only called me a week later. Which, again, just doesn't really, like with the notes and everything, it doesn't really add up. You know, could be people misremembering things, eh, whatever. But it's, again, one of those things that feeds into people asking, well, what was happening if there was a discrepancy of a few days? What was happening that they were holding off on the brain exam? They took it. <laughs> they took the brain out. <laughs> and kept it for medical research. <laughs> and cloning. <laughs> <laughs> the Navy photographer. There was a Navy photographer, John Stringer, who was taking pictures. For his Instagram. Of the autopsy and of the brain, right? He testified that the official photos preserved at the archives do not match the ones he remembers taking. And as a woman, Sandra Spencer, she worked in the lab where they printed them. They processed the autopsy film. She explained years later that the lab would buy huge quantities of this particular type of photographic paper. And you could tell which type it was because of the marks on the back. Um, and she said those marks should match the ones from the autopsy. And they didn't. So... They are not the fucking, the photographs we see are not from the official autopsy. So the suggestion here is that the photos were not the ones taken and printed as would have been expected. What what were they then? Just a different person's body? Well, she said the prints that we printed did not have the massive head damages that is visible here. The face, the eyes were closed and the face and the mouth was closed and it was more of a rest position than these show. Earl Warren, who was head of the commission, he looked over the photos. And this is one of the big criticisms of him. He was a good friend of the Kennedys. He looked over the pictures and decided these are too graphic. And he said, besides the family, nobody's allowed to look at these. So you can't look at the pictures of the autopsy. Only the Kennedy family. Now, the Kennedy family did get independent medical experts to look at those pictures, I think sometime in the 70s. And those experts came back and said, yeah, that's an entrance wound at the back. As in, these pictures do tally with the Warren Commission report. That was the Kennedy family. But they're not the fucking... But that's not John F. Kennedy's body. (laughs) Nobody's... You're the only person suggesting there's two bodies involved here. But how else could you explain it? Like, all the doctors, 43 people are saying there was a gaping hole. And then your man saying, here's a photograph that I didn't take of a tiny hole. Mm. Different body. Different body. Body, body. No Kennedys Rock the party Sorry Earlier this month Paramount had a documentary Bought the rights That's not the intro That's Columbia it's Columbia yeah It's Paramount It's a load of stars Matt getting a job A Statue of Liberty I'm not Documentary called JFK What the Doctor Saw And the thrust of that is Seven doctors who worked on Or saw his body At Parkland Hospital In this documentary Said That was an exit wound at the back of his head. They are convinced. Seven doctors. I would say, everyone else we've talked about for the last few minutes about the autopsy, give or take, a lot going on there. Seven doctors. All these years later, so they haven't changed their story. That worked on it. They, they worked Now, on. I also have heard interviews with doctors who worked there who said it was not an exit wound. Right? So it's not unanimous. But seven of them in this documentary said it. And me. And, uh, and throw me in there. As and well. you. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. My expertise. The, so does that mean they shot came from the front? If they're correct, and yes. It would have Lee to be Harvey Oswald shot from the back. Yes. So if they are right. Bloody hell. If they're right, then. Blows everything out. Not just Lee Harvey Oswald involved in this. If ever involved in it. I think he might have. Patsy. Yeah, yeah. I think we're feeling like over here. We're feeling like Lee probably had something to do with it. I think Lee was too much of an idiot. He's a dope. He couldn't have done it. <laughs> 
he couldn't have done. He doesn't have a good enough shot. He's an idiot. Like he's an absolute yeah, idiot. He's the one who he hit the fucking tree. Yeah, well, he could have say he got lucky with one shot and someone else from the grassy knoll is like proper bum. He got lucky with one shot. Even lucky is a stretch. He got a two for one. Two boards, one stone. Leading John Connolly got it in the back and everything, and the wrist, and the leg. The first man to ever do a, uh, a magic bullet happened to be shot. the man with the worst shot ever. Mad. So then these seven doctors believed that that was an exit wound, which makes sense because old Jackie was picking up his brains off the back of the car now. Was she though? Yeah. That's what she's reaching for. She's picking it. Why would she be reaching for his brains? You'd just panic, wouldn't you? To shove it back in or something. To save it, to protect it, like the whole onto yeah. it. Evidence or whatever. She was exposing herself there for a nice Boom. clean one. Yeah, I know. Wasn't she? In the back. Boom. Ah, terrible though I fucking I've been thinking about it a lot like it's very sad isn't it these doctors argue the bullet came from the front one doctor claims he was told to. he called it an uh, an entrance wound the wound in the front and he claims someone a secret service agent or someone told him that day he, sh- he should never call that an entrance wound again if he knows it's good for him that kind of thing apparently I haven't seen this documentary now but apparently they don't agree with each other on everything but crucially they do agree that what they saw in the trauma room that day did not add up to the autopsy photos and also what was in the Warren Commission. And bottom line, they think the bullet came from the other direction. And, and where would that other direction be? Glad you asked, Joe. <laughs> Can I ask? <laughs> the front, obviously, yeah. Yeah, the grassy knoll then is the theory of where, generally speaking, that's the theory of where this would have come from. Which is where the car was facing, yeah? Kind of. That's relevant in the debunking stakes. That's relevant of what angle the grassy knoll was towards the car. But there were people who, even if you listen to some of the, the archive audio, people ran into the rail yard behind the grassy knoll. There's a fence on the grassy knoll. It's a small grass hill, grass verge, off to the side of the road. and With like ran, a white picket fence, yeah? yeah? Yeah. And people ran into it afterwards, thinking they had heard a gunshot from there. And there is a photo from the far side looking across the car and there does appear to be a puff of smoke at the picket fence they said they found some footprints and a pile of smoke butts behind the fence and the footprints suggested it was like someone had been pacing up and down behind that fence waiting for the the car to arrive smoke butts Chief Bill Decker of the Dallas PD he orders and the double decker (laughs) sorry sorry I'm sorry go on he orders all of his men to the railroad yard after the shooting. So whether that was right or wrong. Now, in fairness, when you listen back to the stuff, all the dimension, most of the mention is of the book depository in the moment when people are talking about where they heard the shot come from, the, the tall building and all this and all the witnesses are pointing that way. There are some people pointing towards the railroad yard and the grassy knoll, but the vast majority in the moment do seem to be talking about the book depository. But the police chief did send a load of his men into the railroad yard to see if they could find someone because they thought a shot had come from there. Now, many people have done tests on these. They've done audio tests in Dealey Plaza to try and recreate the sound and to see where people might think it would have come from. Would it have echoed off the building? So if a shot came from behind the car but the bang echoes off the buildings, could people think it came from the front? Yes, they absolutely could. Like an amphitheatre. Exactly. You could absolutely hear it behind you, but you pick it up in front of you. Oh, kind of rules it out. Doesn't rule it out, but it's you can a possible explain explanation. It. Yeah. This is an explanation for everything, isn't it? You can explain it. Not or, always, not always. Roughly one third of the witnesses said they heard the shot from the grassy you know. It's a big number. There's a picture. So this picture is talking about Mary Mormon. The picture is known as the badge man. 
It's grainy. It's a man looking over this fence. This photograph of it? Yeah, I'll show it to you now. Now, people said when you, if you look that very, very closely, it looks like that man is holding a gun. Ah, Jesus. You can't, you can't blame me again. <laughs> if he's not buying it. It just looks like another leaf. Is this right when it happened? Yeah. That's literally as the shooting happened. I mean, I, I want to believe it because I fancy that theory. I know you do. No. No. Sort of like when you zoom back out, it looks like a face with a hat, but it just really looks like every other fucking smudge on it. Yeah. Everyone's going to say, yeah, yeah, there was one. There, there was, was a man. One. There was that's, a second that's him. that's him. Arrest yeah. him. And like this picture, like all the other artifacts from this, does the rounds and people delve into it and spend half their life examining it. There was a lot of people there. You know, if there's someone standing there with a the gun, does he go unnoticed? These are the logical things. You can't prove it, but... Just say it was corn rails. Be grand. <laughs> or the telescope. You're just trying to get a good look at him through the scope. <laughs> Boom. There's a fella called Gordon Arnold, 22-year-old army private. He brought a, a, a movie camera, a video camera, to Dealey Plaza, right, to film the whole day. He was up on the railroad bridge so, for anyone not familiar with it, so the car comes around the corner, goes past the book depository as it's kind of going down the, the road with the book depository at its back. In front of it is a bridge, kind of an overpass over the, I think you're going onto the freeway there. So it's going underneath that. Gordon Arnold starts to walk behind the fence on the grassy knoll. He was heading up to the bridge because he thought it'd be the best place to film the motorcade. A man came around the corner off the bridge, had a suit on, and he turned around and he told me that I wasn't going to be there. And I guess I was younger and more spunky at that time because I told him, you and who else is going to keep me off the bridge? And he pulled out an identification card and he said, I'm with the CIA. And I said, well, that's enough muscle. I'll leave. So I turned around and brought my leg back over like this. And I walked down the fence line here about halfway. And I was looking over the fence to see if I could get a good shot of the parade. And he came back up and he told me, he says, I told you to get out of this area. And I said, okay. So I walked the complete length of the fence, got around on the other side. That's when I started to line up my frame so that I could take the picture of the parade. And I saw that it was the President of the United States. And as I was panning down this direction, a shot came right past my left ear. And that meant it would have had to have come from this direction. And that's when I fell down. And to me, it seemed like a second shot was at least fired over my head. It was there's a bunch of report going on in, the, in this particular area at that time. And what happened was that while I was laying on the ground, it seemed like a gentleman came from this particular direction. And I thought it was a police officer because he had a uniform of a police officer. But he didn't wear a hat. And he had dirty hands. But it didn't really matter much at that time because with him crying like he was, and with him shaking when he had the weapon in his hand I think I'd have gave him almost anything except the camera because that was my mother's and literally what the man did was kick, kick me and asked me if I was taking a picture I told him that I was and when I looked at the weapon it was about that big around and I decided I'd let him go ahead and have the film I gave it to him and then he went back off in this direction I went off in this direction Three days later, I was in Alaska. And I didn't come back to the United States for about 18 months. He had a weapon in his hands? Yeah, so he says the shots came, he thinks, from behind him, which would be the shots coming from the opposite direction. He says there was this man in a suit 
standing near the grassy knoll. And then this other guy in a police uniform, but with dirty hands, uh, was also on the grassy knoll immediately after the shooting and came over and took the film off him. Now, seems a bit fantastical on its own. Not to me. Didn't think so. Dallas police officer, Joe Marshall Smith, he said when Any he ran up the grassy knoll. Say what? Any relation to yours? Same force name. <laughs> go, go ahead. He no, said I'm when idiot. he ran up the grassy knoll, which like he was one of the first people to run up there, he could smell gunpowder. So he said. He told the Warren Commission he encountered a man in the car park, which was in that railroad yard behind the fence. And he encountered a man in the car park who told him he was a Secret Service agent. All over the place. And he said, this fellow's a police officer, he said, your man showed him his credentials, his badge. And he said, yeah, I recognise that as Secret Service. So I left it be. Now, the Secret Service said all the Secret Service agents in the area were in the motorcade and stayed with the motorcade the whole time. So who was this fellow saying he was Secret Service? Oh, he said this like conflicts with the other one not conflicts but just doesn't quite tell you with it but he said the man had on a sports shirt and sports pants I think in those days that would mean like a dress not a dress shirt but you know a shirt but a casual shirt and and slacks but he had dirty fingernails it looked like and hands that looked like an auto mechanic afterwards it didn't ring true for the secret service so you've got the police officer saying he saw a man saying he was secret service but didn't quite look like one because of the dirty hands and then this other fella in the police uniform with dirty hands I think they had dirty hands because weeks before they already knew the route so they must have buried the weapons in that railroad yard and dug them up and that's why that happened. it's Texas who is, who is stopping you carrying a gun in Texas Every, everybody on the day when the president's there like you couldn't have just walked up to the grassy knolls with a brown bag of cotton rods Texas <laughs> Still, it was the, for the day that was in it. Like it couldn't yeah, be. They were told couldn't. to be on their best behavior. <clears throat> yeah, couldn't they weren't. They fucking killed them. Another fella, Deputy Constable Seymour Weitzman. He heard shots, ran towards the fence, jumped over it. Right. He found other police officers and a Secret Service agent. He also said he turned over a portion of the President's school that he found on Elm Street to that Secret Service agent, Freddy Krueger. Weitzman didn't provide to the Warren Commission he didn't give a description of Secret Service agent but in 1975 so 12 years later there was an author a called Michael Canfield he went to meet Weitzman in his um, he was in a home for elderly veterans he did an interview with them Canfield Joe you're going to love this <laughs> he showed him photos of some men that he considered so this is the fellow Canfield the author who's investigating he had suspects in mind for who he thought might have been agents involved if there was you know a conspiracy and this fellow Weitzman who's met somebody over the other side of the fence who said he was Secret Service is it happy? he showed him pictures of the Watergate burglars and Weitzman identified one of them as the man he saw Watergate the White House called it a third rate burglary but it escalated into the worst political scandal in American history President Richard Nixon what? <laughs> I don't get it what? Watergate was when Richard Nixon had oh, yeah, Democrat yeah, yeah. offices booked and it was the end of Nixon's mm. presidency. Mm. So Canfield must have had a theory that these were the fellas who did the real dirty jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Do we know anything about the people that he was researching? Oh, I want to read Canfield's book. However, the reason this hasn't been given more credibility is because Weitzman had a breakdown a couple of years before Canfield met him. So it's hard to really give it all the credibility in the world, if any. He did have a breakdown a couple of years beforehand. But it was straight after that he was saying it happened though. But but that these lads are the people I thought yeah, that maybe that's 
Like if he's in a, a home for the sick. But again, this is this is why it goes on. Again, you know, it's fucking. He said he said he identified the Watergate burglars, but can you trust his testimony? Like, you don't have to trust his that testimony on that specific piece of detail. But if you piece all of the questionable pieces together. You don't need to create a clear picture of what exactly happened. You just have to know that the official statement is not what happened. Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's lots of people who take that stance that, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist because I don't have a conspiracy enough. to give you. Yeah, but I can just tell you I'm not buying. Yeah, something else was going on or whatever. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you've got a few people who saw this mysterious man or men on the grass, you know, and a third of witnesses saying they thought they heard a shot from there. And Gordon Arnold, who said he was very sure the shots came over his head and he was standing there. And then there's the picture, which uh, to me it looks like nothing. The picture's nothing. But people love it. There was news reports from people on the day of the shooting recounting their experience of it and they said that they heard the shot from the grassy knoll and looked over and could see the gunshot smoke from the grassy knoll. There were others who for years would say they'd seen or heard something suspicious or even a shot from the grassy knoll or the area around there. Here's one witness called Samuel Skinny Holland. Where do you think the shots came from? Well, I know where that third shot came from. Where did that shot come from? Behind the picket fence. Is there any... Close to the little plaza. Is there any doubt in your mind that that shot came from behind the There's fence? no doubt in my mind. I made it plain to the Warren Commission and I think I made the same statement in the sheriff's office. It was a fourth shot. There's about six or eight of us boys from the Union Terminal run around there to find some evidence that there was someone around there. This is Bill Newman. He was an eyewitness to the shooting. He was there with his wife, Kathy, and their kids. And directly after it happened, they went into a nearby TV studio and they gave this interview. Billy? Tell me what you saw and what you felt. What happened to you? As the cart got directly in front of us, well, a gunshot apparently from behind us hit the president inside side of the temple. Did, did you, do you think the first gunshot came uh, from behind you too? I, I think it came from the same location. Uh, apparently back up on the, the uh, uh, mall, I don't know what you call it. Do you think the shot came from up on top of the viaduct toward the president? Is that correct? Yes, sir. Uh, not, no, not on the viaduct itself, but up on top of the hill, oh, a little yeah, mound right. of ground near the garden. They were never spoken to by the Warren Commission. Yeah. To point away from the grassy knoll, you have witnesses who, there was a Mrs. Earl Cabell, the wife of the mayor of Dallas. She saw something sticking out a window in the school depository building. There was a photographer, Robert Jackson. He saw a rifle being drawn back in through the open window. Across from the building, you had a 15-year-old, Amos Lee Ewans. Cracking names. Uh, yeah, yeah. Whatever Amos this Lee Ewans. Boss. 15-year-old, you can't trust whatever this little spoof is going to say. Well, he saw a man shoot twice from the window. <laughs> Amos couldn't tell you the race of the man or any other characteristics, but he could tell you he had a bald spot. The man he saw in the window shooting twice. A bald spot. People found that strange when they were questioned. They're like, so you don't remember, like, was he a white man or a black man? He's like, don't know. He had a bald spot. You just never know. You can, you can never be too sure. Mm. And there were some other people who said they saw more than one person in the window. That was a big one. There was one woman who said she saw two men in the window. I looked at this building and um, I saw this man with the gun. And there was another man standing to his right. And I could not see all of this man and, and I couldn't see his face. And the other man was holding a short gun. It wasn't as long as a rifle. I, don't know, I mean, where's that guy then? He's probably locked. 
<laughs> and yeah, your man Howard Brennan, who who we talked about already, he saw someone. Your mate. Remember we talked about potential for two Lee Harvey Oswalds? Yeah. And I promised you another one. I promised you another. Uh, a third Harvey Oswald? No, no, no. Another example of speculation oh, okay. around there being two Lee Harvey Oswald. I was going to say three Harvey Oswald. Ball. So the story from the Warren Commission, and I think it was Oswald's story as well, he left the depository three minutes after the shooting, got on a bus and headed off. And that's when he ends up back in an area called Oak Cliff and he shoots uh, Officer J.D. Tippett. Oswald himself said he got the bus when he was arrested. He had the bus ticket. Dated for that's the day before. Hang on, no dated. Yeah, dated for the day. I thought you were going to stumble across new information. I thought you were going to unravel it all in front of us. He uh, wasn't even on the bus. Someone who knew Oswald, his former landlord, was on the bus and identified him. What are the chances? He said he boarded the bus looking like a maniac. <laughs> going wearing, in which direction? He was wearing a brown shirt with all the buttons torn off and a hole in the sleeve at the right elbow. Is this going to his gaff? Yeah. Or after he shot the copper? No, leaving the depository before he shot the cop. Okay. Now. Three witnesses separately said they saw a man matching Oswald's description run out the back of the depository and get into a station wagon. One of these men, his name was Richard Carr, he said he was threatened repeatedly over this story throughout the rest of his life. There's the other fella, Sheriff Roger Craig. Roger Craig is actually the fella who raised the doubts about if the rifle was the correct rifle. To be honest with you, on balance it seems it was the rifle that they had in evidence. But Roger Craig was the guy who we've talked about him before, he raised that doubt. He said he saw a man coming down off the grassy knoll and getting into the station wagon. He called the police station, told them, and they said, that sounds like the guy we have in custody. As in, I don't think he knew necessarily who he was looking for, if that makes sense. He just thought the way this fellow was moving and jumping into the car was worth reporting. And he said he was this height and whatever. And they said, oh, that sounds like the guy we've arrested. White man in a suit. But I feel like everyone looked the same back then. So Roger Craig goes down to the police station, sees Oswald and says, yeah, that's the guy I saw get into the station wagon. This is... This is getting from the grassy knolls, though. Yeah. It wasn't, like, it wasn't Lee Harvey Oswald. He was on the bus. There was witnesses. I seen him on the bus. There was a bus ticket. There was everything. He was on the bus. Mm -hmm. He said I was on the bus. Everyone was happy that he was on the bus. And then there's these few other people who say, but I saw the exact same man get into a station wagon. And then one of them says he was threatened afterwards. And one of them was a sheriff who went to the police station and looked at Oswald and said, yeah, that's him. So what was the story there like? Body double. We're back into that weird realm. This is real rabbit hole stuff. If you want to create a conspiracy, this is this is what you need. In his time, like his time in Russia is very suspicious. No one really knows where he's up to. I think they were creating a body double of him. <laughs> Came back to America. <laughs> the two JFKs, the two Lee Harvey <laughs> Yeah, there was some crazy shit going on in the 60s. I feel like you've been radicalized in the few hours we've been talking about this. <laughs> uh, one other thing. I want to talk to you about the Zapruder film. This is the video. This is the only video of what happened, right? Mm -hmm. So, who took it? Abraham Zapruder, a dressmaker from Dallas. He brings along his his camera only on uh, the urging of his assistant from his work. He was going to leave it at home. They're like, ah, no, bring it along. He's mad for the home movie. So, like, bring it along. After the shooting, Secret Service agents rushed Zapruder to a lab when they realized he had recorded this. They got the film processed on the spot. He gave two copies to the government, kept the original real and one copy for himself. He sold the original and all the rights to it to Life magazine for $150,000. Gave $25,000 of that to the widow of J.D. Tippett, the police officer killed by Oswald. Oh, yeah. We all forget about him. When Abraham Zapruder sold his film to Life magazine, he did it with the agreement that the magazine wouldn't exploit the graphic details of the president's death. 
So they agreed that they wouldn't release the film in its entirety, and the film is pretty graphic. They agreed they wouldn't release it until emotions had cooled down a bit. It was 26 seconds of silent footage, and it's been broken down frame by frame by frame, and it appears to show JFK's, this is the crucial bit, that it appears to show him going back and to the left. So it will be held up as a proof that a shot came from the front to force him back. So it wasn't until 1975 when the film first aired and it was shown by uh, Geraldo Rivera on his television show, Good Night America. I'm telling you right straight out that if you are at all sensitive, uh, if you're at all queasy, uh, then don't watch this film. Just put on the the late night movie uh, because this is... uh, very heavy. It's the film shot by the Dallas dress manufacturer Abraham uh, Zapruda uh, and it's the execution of President Kennedy and uh, Bob and Dick would you please narrate what we're seeing as we show this film. Okay so the cars are coming along now into Dealey Plaza. Now before he goes behind the sign the president is waving to the crowd. When he comes out from behind the sign he is shot then Governor Connolly is shot. He's already been hit. He's already been hit. And now at the bottom of the screen, the headshot. That's the shot that blew up his head. It's the most horrifying thing I've ever seen in the movies. Now, the Warren Commission said that all of the shots were fired from behind by Lee Harvey Oswald, a lone assassin, firing at the president. And as you can see, clearly, the head is thrown violently backwards, con- completely consistent with the shot from the front right. Now, this is an extreme blow-up of just the president from the film. Coming out behind the sign, he's shot. He's hit from the the front, too. From the the front. front. Now, Jackie doesn't realize what's happened yet. She goes to his aid. And now? He's hit. Again, the violent backward motion. Totally consistent with the witnesses, which said the shot came from the grassy knoll in front and to the right. It's interesting to note how many people is running towards where most folks thought the shots came from. The head goes backwards in the next film. Uh, from the other side of the street. Oh, God, that's awful. That's the most upsetting thing I've ever seen. We'll talk about it in a minute. Geraldo brings that out. This causes a massive stir. And people start saying, oh, hang on a second. What's going on here? You know, we need some more answers. Like, this may not be... Um, yeah, he wasn't shot from the back. But when was this? This was a lot later. This was 1975. They played it. This was 1975? Yeah. Jesus. So, so a lot over a decade later. Yeah, and it's very graphic. You can see like the well, it's the in brain most documentaries on it now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah you can. Uh, yeah, it's it's widely available now. So this basically, on first look anyway, dispels the lone shooter theory, and there's massive uproar about this in the states. And then in 1976, this film plus things like Watergate, so people are really going, what is going on behind the scenes here with CIA and everybody else and all this stuff. So that leads to the Senate Church Committee, which we talked about before, about MKUltra. They investigate the CIA. And as part of that, they investigate the Kennedy assassination. Takes three years, the House Select Committee on Assassinations. And in 1979, they decide Kennedy, and I quote, was probably assassinated as a result of a conspiracy. But Oswald was involved. That's the conclusion that they came to in 1979. Yep. Has that changed since? Has the government's... Yeah, that finding is not quite as watertight as it sounds anymore anyway. Um, we'll come back to that one in the next episode, I think, because there, there is more there. The next big event in the timeline is the 
film JFK comes out, Oliver Stone's 1991 film JFK comes out. It was a day that changed our lives. I saw a flash of light in bushes and that last shot. An act that shocked the nation. The smoke came from behind the hedge. A moment when time stood still. It seemed like people weren't even breathing, like you were looking at a picture. For one man, it became an obsession with truth.
And he said the reason he brought it up was a protest. And the protest wasn't about John Kennedy, John F. Kennedy. It was a protest at uh, his dad, Joe Kennedy, who had been an ambassador to the UK just before World War II. And Joe Kennedy was kind of soft on Nazis. And he was kind of encouraging the Brits to do whatever Hitler wanted. Um, Joe Kennedy was a real piece of shit. (laughs) He he didn't take a hard line with the Nazis. So this apparently this protest was a protest about what his dad did in the 30s in the UK when he was ambassador. Don't fucking get it. And the reference with the umbrella is because Neville Chamberlain, who was uh, notoriously appeased the Nazis and said, oh, we won't cause a fight with them, give them Poland and whatever, and <laughs> they'll be all right after Poland. Peace in our time. Um, <laughs> Chamberlain used to hold an umbrella. Did at, he? At all these kind of gatherings. There's a clip of him at the, the committee. We'll play it there. The committee staff opened this umbrella so we can ascertain there's no dark gun in it. There, as far as I'm concerned, they're certainly welcome to. <laughs> Maybe you ought to turn that way with it. <laughs> <laughs> He said the Kennedys, the Kennedys would have got the reference of the umbrella. Oh, they'll get it. No, 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 no. They'll get the umbrella. They'll see this. It's this is my bullshit, like, <laughs> like, what if the person that came forward saying, I'm the umbrella man, wasn't the umbrella man. He's just a fucking dope, like. Yeah. Yeah. Which Could makes be any more sense. Yeah. Now, he did work nearby, but there's actually, you can't tell it is him from the pictures or the, or the video. So a lot of people speculate, well, we're just taking him at his word that he's the umbrella man. Yeah. There's another fella, right? tall thin man standing near the umbrella man and he sits down next to him on the curb after it's all happened he lifted his hand up at the moment before the limo passed right so you can see his arm lifted up in the frames of the Zapruder film just as you can see the umbrella so when the shots are fired most people in Dealey Plaza freak the fuck out they're all over the place they're legging it you know obviously someone's shooting get out of here umbrella man and the tall, thin man who raised his hand. Where was the scarecrow and the lion? <laughs> they sit down beside each other on the curb. Chilling out. And then, Joe, you know the way of some things I know you're going to love. Tall, thin man takes out what looks like a walkie-talkie. What? Who says this? It's in the footage. It's in the footage. Oh, it's in the footage. It's like, it's a, the footage is grainy, but it looks like a box with an aerial coming out of it. He's a time traveller. There is debate, like the, the debate over the gun. Yeah. The man's hand behind the fence. It's not HD that it's a walkie-talkie, right? So that's Okay, where... okay. But is there any other theory about what it was and who this person was? No, and that's why we're still here talking about oh. it. <laughs> you don't know. He's a time traveller. He was never identified. Isn't it mad that it was just like expected that there was no cameras around, but they were like, this fucking one fucker with a camera. 26 seconds of footage just tells so much. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, and then Umbrella Man says that the other fella sat down to him and said, they done shot them folks. They done shot them folks. Other guy was never identified. So that's some of the other main evidence that has been debated fiercely in the last 60 years outside of Lee Harvey Oswald. But there's more. I think the last thing to do now, I think we now have a pretty good picture of what the conspiracies are about. Sure. What people get worked up over, what people are still debating. I think we... We understand it now. So the last thing to talk about is how all of this evidence and how people have construed it differently was then matched up with other things like that would JFK's relationship with the CIA or JFK's relationship with the Mafia and how that then turned into 
the mother of all conspiracy theories and all the different strands that went down. So we'll talk about why people believe it was the CIA, why people believe it was the mafia, why people believe it was Cuba, and so on. All the wires. All the wires. And some mad ones too. Some outlandish ones. Some crazy ones. We'll throw in some crazy ones too. I'll give you some of my favourite theories. I don't know if it's going to be as crazy as your two JFK's theories. It is self-taught theories. Body doubles, aliens, lizards. Like, I have them all, man. I'll give you all my favourite theories. And you should think now that you know all the information there, and you should come back. Um, I, ha- I have one for you. You should have your. Well, I'll give you one. Go on, go. Bring back Mars, the Louis Bars. That's what it was all about. Uh, man. JFK wanted to bring them back. Yeah. <laughs> and Mars were like, "We're not bringing them back." So they popped them. Right. So we'll go through all of that in the fourth installment of the JFK assassination special. I'm going to give you a teaser. We're not recording part four right now. I'm going to give you a teaser, and a teaser for people at home too, right? Okay. There's a theory. I don't know how this is not more widely known, but I only stumbled across it the other day. The theory is Oswald did it, but he wasn't going after JFK because somebody found something in Lee Harvey Oswald's house. More on that next time. What? Was he writing Mrs. Bouvier? Go Loud Original Podcast. Yeah, Stall is a Go Loud Original it's a Podcast. podcast responsible. Oh, is a Go Loud Original Podcast. Our assistant producer is Siobhan Walsh and Millie Reed helped us with our research for this. See, that's it. Yeah, and we'll be back yeah. with the next episode, episode four, stay tuned. You're going to tell us that when we stop recording then, yeah? No. The next episode. I'm going to make sure you show up for the next one. <laughs> well, we're going to show up, but just tell us that. No. See you later.